0: Uh, your father has uh, taken ill, and the Gemara comments on Metzia, Aleph uh, that Yaakov Avinu was the first, person in the history of the world to take ill prior to his death. And the Gemara explains that in fact this innovation was as a result of the Tfilos of Yaakov Avinu, also Yaakov boy Rachmei He asked for Rachman from Hakadosh Baruch that he should take ill prior to his death, and Rashi explains in order so that he should be able to command, to charge, to instruct his children um, as to how they should lead their lives and writes the Rabbi Yeshua Ibn Shuib in his drosheth who was one of the Talmidim of the Rashba he writes that there are 10 things we can learn from the way Yaakov Avinu conducted himself towards the end of his life the first being, if you look at the middle of the second line HaEchad HaTzavah Keshadamar Geshafistas Kachaysa of Krayvim Lamos Person realizes he's towards the end of his life. <speaking in Hebrew> I and mean, that's, pers- that's how a person should conduct himself as well, is to uh, follow this uh, precedent of, of Yaakov Avinu. And this relates not only to uh, how, uh, you know, to instructing children how to lead their lives, giving Musa and which is what Yaakov Avinu occupied himself with, but uh, people would like to take time at the end of their life, towards the end of their life, uh, to instruct their children how they would like their assets, their property to be dispersed, to be split. Uh, amongst, the, uh, amongst their children. <coughs> if I wanted to spend a few minutes this morning discussing the topic of wills and, um, and, uh, and estates, estate planning. So as we're well familiar with the tells Talas and Parshas Pinchas, the Seder Hayarusha, the order of inheritance is dictated by the Torah and as noted, very notable and it's obvious at the outset is that uh, one's wife is excluded, wife does not be her husband, and uh, daughters uh, do not be they are, under certain circumstances, a wife, certainly, daughters, if they're not, unmarried, are provided for by the estate, but they don't receive a formal uh, share of the inheritance. So, uh, if there is no sons, so then of course the daughters do yarshin. but uh, in the absence, if there are sons, daughters don't receive a and neither does one's wife. Of course, if something is jointly owned... Between a husband and the wife, so then that it's not a Yerusha, she's a partial, you know, a joint owner, or if the, she's a beneficiary of a life insurance policy, that's not Yerusha either. But, uh, but, you know, when was putting up a state in t- terms of formal Yerusha, daughters don't receive a chalak, uh, the bakor, of course, receives uh, two shares, and the wife, uh, also does not receive a chalak of the Yerusha. What if a person, though, would like to, um, Disperse his assets in a way that the daughters do receive uh, an equal share, or perhaps that the wife also receives uh, some significant portion of the inheritance. And that's not because he's motivated, because he feels the dinim of the Torah are unjust and uh, he wants to you know, be more egalitarian. It's just this is what he uh, feels he would like to do in his family, perhaps to avoid uh, machlekes and to make sure that his wishes uh, are carried out. So is there a mechanism, is there a vehicle by which a person could uh, avoid or negate or override uh, the dinim of the Torah as they're prescribed in Parashas Pinchas in the form of Seder HaYerusha? So the Mishnah tells us in Mosef, Basra, and that if a person stipulates that one of his uh, children should not inherit, ish lo yirash, or he disinherits one of his children, or ish lo this uh, child who's the Bukhar won't receive two portions, so the Mishnah says, lo it's totally ineffective. She he stipulated to do something that violates the Torah, and such a stipulation uh, is invalid. It uh, has no effect in this at all. So the Gemara, though, uh, brings up in the course of that discussion, a famous machleg between Remeir and Rabbi Yehuda with regards to a person who proposes marriage to a woman. in the middle of the second line, ha'red me'kudesh, part of the obligations of a husband towards his wife, as the tells in Parshas Mishpatim, is she'er ha'ksus You have to provide her with clothing, support, and of course intimacy. So what if a person says, I I, don't know, I want to get married, but without these uh, obligations, without share susvion. So a mayor says, Haraza Makudesh, execution is valid, but Taneo Bartel, but his stipulation is irrelevant, is uh, totally ineffective. Dear yeah. Mayor Rabbi Yehuda disagrees, and he says, (coughs) When it comes to issues of monetary issues, probably excluding Oina then in this context, but when it comes at least to sharing ksus, the obligations of support and clothing, Rabbi Yehuda holds a person can make whatever stipulation he would like when it comes to areas of monetary issues, a person can make whatever stipulation he would like. How do we understand the opinion of Rabbi Meir? Why can't a person stipulate he wants to get married without certain obligations of sharing ksus? So the Chayis HaChoshen writes, it's because we cannot discuss here in this context. It can't be who the holds the reason why you can make a condition in this uh, situation is because the wife is meichel. That can't be why, because she for, you know forgives that obligation. Why? Because the obligation hasn't begun yet. You can only be meichel something once it's an obligation, and then you can forgive the obligation. But when it comes uh, over here. <laughs> Or for example, a person is owed, you know, gains money, so someone else has to pay you back. And that's the mitzvah in the Torah, Priyas Bauchayv mitzvah. But, uh, he's Michael alone forgives the loan, so you can do that, even according to a mayor. Or uh, a person has to pay his uh, worker that day. But the worker agrees to be paid uh, bimonthly. So, so you can do that. You can make whatever arrangement you want. He has an obligation. I have an obligation to pay you. But the worker is my call that he'll get paid uh, at the end of the month. That's fine. And even mayor agrees to that. However, since it says, over here, we're talking about prior to the obligation uh, getting started. So that's a person's trying to create Kiddushin without the formal obligations that are prescribed by the Torah. You can't do that. In the opinion of mayor, you can't create Kiddushin without the obligations of sharing and Ksus. And that's how the Ramban understands the opinion of mayor. If you look over here in the brackets... You can be whatever financial obligations you want, but you can't stipulate a Kedushin without an obligation of sharing sus. And Rabbi Yehuda suffer, which is how we pass him, when it comes to the area of Mamanus, even in this situation, you can make whatever conditions you would like, because Rebbe Yehuda holds, You can even uh, negate or. Uh, Stop the obligation before it ever gets started, because even though Mechiform and Mechila would not operate in that context, but because all of Dine Momenes only apply when a person wants them to. You have a review of this opinion is whenever we're dealing with monetary issues. A person has the obligation to make a condition that they shouldn't apply even before we ever get started. So to make a Kiddushin without obligations of sharing, source, you can make such a stipulation. And that's how we pass it when it comes to Dinei Momenes. Uh, teneo Okayim. So therefore I ask the Gemara, how come with regards to Yerusha you can't make a similar argument? <laughs> how come when a person stipulates that I don't want my son, who's the Bechar, to be, uh, take a double share, to take Pishnayim, I don't want this son, who's one of my rightful heirs, to take a share at all, uh, why is it, why am I we're dealing here with dina Mamanis, shouldn't uh, review <laughs> this position, uh, that uh, whenever you're dealing with dina Mamanis, can be applicable here as well? So the Gemara responds, the end of the third line, over there, the wife accepts the kiddushin and she's meichel the obligation. She forgives the obligation of sharing sus. Here, the inheritors are not the yarshim are not there. The father's sitting together with his attorney. They're making up. This child is not going to get a share in the erusha. Okay, but the son wasn't Michael on his share. So the wife accepted the Kidusha knowing full well what she's getting herself involved in. She could be Michael. Here, the Yarshim, who are the ones who have to be Michael in this situation, are not there to be Michael. So I asked the rights to run, This doesn't mean to say that if they would be Michael it would work. Because the Mishnah states it as a blanket statement. It doesn't uh, you know, stipulate that we're only talking about where the children aren't there. But the Rambam says, "A This is coming to an additional case. Even if mechila would, would work, Here they weren't maichel. So the One second. So the, here, though, even if it would be Michael, the I'm sorry. Even if mechila would work, here they were not maichel. But right, the assumption of the Ran is that here Mechila does not work. It's different than sharing Ksus in the discussion of Ramey and Rabbi Yehuda. Here Mechila does not work. Why not? So the Rambam explains, because here is different than sharing Ksus, here is different than paying back a loan, here is different than paying workers on time. The Rambam explains, The end of the first line, This is a, a non-negotiable, non-neg- immutable axiom, you cannot uh, over- override the halachos of nachlos <laughs> even with whatever conditions and stipulations you'll make. So the brisket explains in his Sefer on the Rambam over there it's quoted by the Reb Baruch in the name of Reb uh that <laughs> it means to say that uh, Yerusha is not like all other areas of Dinei mamon. it's like sharing, suits <laughs> and paying back a loan or paying workers on time it's like isveheter. It's like making a stipulation when you build your kitchen that Busa should not apply in your kitchen. Obviously, such a stipulation is ridiculous. So, so to over here, when it comes to yerusha, it's not treated like other dinay maminis. The pasuk says with that this is uh, treated uh, like isveheter, and therefore you cannot make a stipulation, a condition to over, override. Of Even when a person, huh? So what is the Ran saying? You don't need the Ran. No, the Ran is saying, "How do you fit this into the Gemara?" The Gemara said the reason why you can't make a stipulation by Yerusha is because the Yarshim don't know. That implies if the Yarshim would know, it's okay. The Ran is saying, "No, no." <laughs> even if mechila would work here, the have happened to not know. But that's not the reason why you can't make a stipulation with regards one to. One Yashim the to the Good answer. That's what the Ran is coming to touch up. The Ran is saying it really shouldn't have worked anyway. He's trying to say even if it would have worked, it's more more than more more obvious or easier answer. Similarly, even when a person is a you know wants to give his... for his assets away while he's alive a person wants to give a lifetime gift obviously he has the right to do with his money whatever he wants while he's alive but the Gemara tells us in Barabas uh, so that a person gives away all of his assets while he's alive he can do that do not approve of this practice why don't they approve of the practice? So the Levush explains in his comments on Cheshav Mishpat, a similar comments as the Rambam. It's because this is what the Torah prescribed. The Torah wants, it's like one of the myths of the Torah, is that the person's inheritance should be dispersed according to the following formula that's listed in Parshish Pinchas. So if a person sidesteps that, you know, by giving his uh, assets away, even while he's alive if he does that in preparation for his death to disperse his assets in a different formula a different way and leaves his children out in the cold and then that's uh, that's <laughs> improper how about if there are no children and there's like an uncle no, there's you know, no children and no formal Yarshim uh, then we're not, that's not what we're discussing a, a there is, form. It goes. yes, it goes to the closest curve, to the father usually and then if there's no father then to the father's craving I don't think that that's what so we're discussing we're not necessarily no, I don't think so, no no However, the <laughs> K'Sais HaChashin is in the Reh Pei Beis, or Moshe quotes it over here, Isvav, uh, quotes in the Framatash Bates, that, um, that you can do partial though, uh, you can do partial redistribution. So for example, a person is going to leave a, you know, a certain amount that will be dispersed based on a prescription of Parshas Pinchas. Some of it will be dispersed, the bachar will take two, all the sons will get an equal, you know, will get one share. But the rest of his money he's going to give away as a lifetime gift. So the Ksai Zacheshin quotes him the Tashbei, said that's sufficient, because you fulfilled the prescription of the Torah, the midst of the Torah, Chukas Mishbat. You had part of your estate was dispersed based on the way it's described in Parashat Pinchas. You know, the rest you gave away while you're alive. How much do you have to leave aside to be dispersed, uh, you know, according to the halachas of Parashat Pinchas? So there were, the Tashbei says, Dalid Zuze. However, then the Ksam Seifer, Ramosha quotes it, says that really you should have more of a significant sum. Ramosha claims. At least this way, you know, in the time that Rabbi Sheh wrote the tshuva, that a thousand dollars to each yairish was sufficient. It should be uh, a significant amount of money. It doesn't have to be a great portion of the estate, but depending on the size of the estate, and, uh, um, and some some significant amount should be given at least to each yairish based on what it says in Parshas Pinchas. The rest, of the person uh, could uh, give away as a lifetime gift to whoever he would like. And this is true with regards to tztaka, too. A person should not give everything to tztaka. Even if it's tztaka, uh, it's still (laughs) ain't The Ramah writes in Yaradea simareish mem Tesif Aleph that as we know, when a person is alive, there's generally a rule, al yavaz vez yezim you should not give more than, uh, uh, one fifth of your, uh, money to tztaka. Shalay We're afraid a person themselves might come to need tztaka. However, that's Dafka Koyme Chayav while he's alive. Abba Bishas Moshe, if he's giving it away towards the end of his life, he, there's no more concern, no longer concern that he's going to come to need other people's help. He, he's at the end of his life. Says Ramay, you can give away whatever you want, but Rabbi Kiva Eger says you shouldn't give away more than a third. Ramay rise in that Eger's Moshe too, you should leave aside, make sure that there's a significant part of the estate that's left aside for the Yarshim Yeah.
1: What do you want to ask? What kind of, what kind of uh, calculation <coughs> is this, based on... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very odd. I mean, is, is it binding? Is it like, you know, we have before one side of the locus was a person can do whatever they want with their money, don't worry about it, the other side was like... Now, while you're
0: alive, clearly you can do whatever you want, but if you're giving away your assets in preparation for a person's uh, you know ensuing death... And he's doing it uh, in a way that there's not going to be a fulfillment of the Pesukim well, and Parshish Pinchas. Don't that, approve of it. Exactly.
1: What kind of fulfillment is this to say a thousand dollars? Either it's either it's binding or it's not binding. Which way is it? No,
0: because you fulfilled it with, for example, there's some, uh, <laughs> find another context too. It was, uh, it was like a year, two years ago when we had the Shnav Tashmita, and all the loans were cancelled uh, Rosh Hashanah at the end of the Shnas HaShmita. so we all wrote a principle that all of our loans should not be cancelled but there are many Avadi Yosef Kotzin the from the Ben Chai. there are many who had a practice to make a loan that should Shadavka be cancelled, one loan should be cancelled to fulfill the Pasuk and the Torah of Shmita HaSesafim or uh, people who let's say sell their land in Eretz Yisrael for the Shnas HaShmita, for those who subscribe to the Heter so there are those though, who leave a portion of their field aside that they're going to be uh, fulfilled Shnas HaBos in Yeh Arts. There's an idea even if you you're doing a valid uh, workaround but at the same time to fulfill the pasuk and the chumash <laughs> to, that would
1: be the pasuk and the chumash like, as an essay yeah
0: it, it's, that's what the Rambam says it's a hukas mishpat it's kind of like Isavahatar. it's something that we should do that's what it implies yeah. <laughs> if you know, uh, if,
1: that's <laughs> why that's why <laughs> it's not a, it's
0: not typical a, monetary that. issues that you can make whatever conditions you want <laughs> you can't because this is like ishuvah headless, but it's
1: like ishuvah headless, like I said before, I can't make it tonight. That in my kitchen you get a right? So it's very, it's a very unclear. No, but you Isavet. can. At the
0: same time, you can do whatever you want with your money while you're alive, but you shouldn't. You, and you're right. You, we can't fault you. You know, uh, you didn't violate the chukas mishpat if you, you gave all your money away while you're alive, but you didn't fulfill the pasuk of the Torah, so you get uh, kind of a backhanded uh, disapproval. Uh,
1: even, at death, even at death, this
0: is what Rav Moshe is talking about is doing it. Lifetime
1: gifts. No, but the way he's talking about splitting up, splitting up the assets to to, to the children. So he's he saying basically
0: a way to sidestep
1: what's written in Parshas
0: Pinchas. If you so give it away what? while you're alive. Oh, yeah, it has to be while you're alive. Yeah, if you do against that what up, which it says yeah. in the Mishnah, that which it says in the Torah, that's a Masna Mascha Kosen B'Torah. Today, over here, uh, this is Yisufa We're talking about if you give a lifetime gift, even if you give it away while you're alive which clearly you can do if you leave nothing for your children. It's the wrong thing. That's what it means. You leave at least a thousand dollars for
1: one. A thousand dollars. A token amount. I mean, I it's not a the significant rest, amount. The million, the million dollars the guy has, he has to has to be while he's still alive, but it can't No, be. otherwise that's
0: against the Torah. You can't do that. You can't make a condition against that stipulates against that which it says in the Torah. Oh, so it
1: has to be a lifetime gift. Yes. Oh.
0: Even a lifetime gift is still wrong. I see. That's still yeah. wrong. I yeah. So partial redistributions are okay. If a person makes a lifetime gift out of it, the problem with lifetime gifts, which is really the best solution if a person wants to uh, disperse his assets in a different way than the, was prescribed in the parashas Pinchas, where the daughters don't yash and the wife doesn't yashin. uh the problem though with lifetime gifts, and that's it's a great option, but the problem with it is, is that um, first of all you can't change, well, you know, can't change your mind once you decide to disperse them in a certain way because you gave it to that party. Um, and uh, the second problem is that you don't know when, a person doesn't know when they're going to pass away, so you never know when you want to transfer these assets. You might do it early on, but then you don't have the assets to live off of. So it's a very tricky uh, situation because a person's basically giving away all of his assets while he's alive and trusting that he won't change his mind with the, you know how he wanted it distributed and that he won't get other assets later that will then later need uh, to be dispersed. And a person needs his assets while he's alive to live <laughs> off of. So lifetime gifts, even though it sounds like a simple solution, as long as you leave aside a, you know, a token amount or you know, some sort of monochoshu, uh, uh, <clears throat> if you leave aside a thousand dollars for each year, it's not really a practical uh, solution. So that's why many people write uh, secular wills, how they want their assets distributed. The problem is that wills take place after a person uh, is already passed away. And even though his uh, wishes have been expressed, it's clear what he wants and how he wants his assets distributed, this seems to be a violation of the Mishnah of Baba Basra that we started with. I nice it's that you say, I don't want my son, who's a Becharet, to take Pishnayim. I don't want this Yerush to get an equal share or to get his rightful share. So then you can't do that. That's insignificant. Even though uh, this will is valid in Dina de Dina, it's valid in secular courts, also seems to have no bearing on our issue. The Ramah and Oys over here, Simon Shin quotes in the name of Achubas Harashba that a person, it deals with the case of a man who was marrying a woman, a wealthy woman, or she was getting a sizable dowry, and the father in law was concerned lest they get divorced, you know, quickly, or even if they would get divorced after some time, but he wanted that, those assets to stay in the family. So he wanted her to get married on condition that the husband should not yashin her. husband yashins his wife, wife doesn't yashin the husband. So, can you make such a stipulation so even though you can in Dina de Machusa Dina, you could write that in, in a secular will? the Rajwa says Dina de Machusa Dina here has no application it doesn't apply. I mean Dina de Dina is a very large uh, large subject, but it has no application unless it's uh, something to do with um uh, you know. F- the benefits the Malchus, the benefits the municipality. And also when you're only dealing with kachavim, when you're dealing with two Jews, Dinah the Mahusadina has no bearing. So and says the Ramah, if we would apply Dina the Mahusadina here, him came Batu called Dina Yisrael, so then all of the Dinah Terra everything everything would be Batu, if we would apply Dina the Mahusadina in this context. So clearly, Dina de doesn't apply to validating a secular will. At the same time, Ramosha has a famous uh, tshuva in Cheva of Eben O'Ezer, that even though Dina de Malchus doesn't apply directly, it might apply indirectly. Because Ramosha argues that uh, if you write in a secular will, that you want your assets distributed according to a different formula than, pres- than is prescribed in Parshish Pinchas, you want your daughter to take an equal share, you want your wife to take a sizable portion of the inheritance of the estate... So Zerub so says clearly that's what you have, you know, that's you intend for that to be the case, and you sincerely mean it, and you're committed to it. Because this will could be enforced in a secular court. True, it would be a violation of halacha, but if you would take it to a secular court, it could be enforced. So says Moshe, that is clearly what you have in mind, and you're committed to that. So Moshe claims when that's what you're committed to, to such a great degree, so then that could replace or substitute in the place of a formal Maise Kinyin. Normally in Allah, in order to transfer ownership, you need a formal, you know, uh, act of acquisition. You know, form of tra- transfer. We have Kinyin Kesef, Kinyin star, Kinyin Chazaka, Meshichah. We have formal, uh, you know, forms of acquisition. So Moshe claims that's only necessary when it's, you haven't necessarily committed or it's unclear what you really have in mind. So I need a Maise to reinforce what I have in mind. But here it's obvious what I have in mind, because I committed myself to this in a secular will, which could be enforced in secular court. So HaMesha claims, therefore, I don't need a formal uh, Kinyan in order to transfer ownership to my heirs, or to the way I want it distributed as uh, prescribed in my will. It takes place because, uh, by very definition, of the fact that I wrote it in a will could be enforced in secular court, because if Dina de Malchus that should replace the requirement for a Maise if you would take it to the secular court, be easier, it could be enforced. So ain't kinyin, You don't need a kinyin, a formal kinyin. This is the greatest form of kinyin. It should uh, work mid- Midin HaTayrah as well. Not directly because of Dina the Chusa Dina, but indirectly, because if this is clearly what you desire to take place, and you've committed to it, by virtue of the fact that it could be enforced in a secular court, so that should replace the Ma'a even though it's taking place <laughs> after his <death. laughs> that's why in America there was a custom to rely on these secular wills no problem accepting a disbursement from this uh, will even if they didn't explicitly articulate this argument or major claims this is where clearly uh, perhaps a justification for writing a secular will one second, yeah. one second. good point well, so there is a precedent for this, right? In
1: my case, it's also enforceable in, uh, in legal courts, and he could say the same
0: thing. So Ramah is discussing directly. We don't apply dina machus dina, but Ramah is just saying a backdoor. Ramah is just saying, "Wow, if it's enforced in secular court, that should replace the requirement <coughs> from so Isaac." So shouldn't do
1: it, but it, someone already did it,
0: you can no. Ramah is just claiming it as a limud but uh, I mean, he, seems to, you know, he seems to be uh, pretty convinced of his argument. So now there is a precedent for that which Ramesh is saying, which <laughs> is going to be one, one, one big problem. But there is a precedent for it. The Gemara tells us in Heseklis Baba Bobabasra that Isser Giura had uh, an estate to trace off his uh, Zuzi, that he wanted to yash into his son <coughs> Ramari. The problem is, Isser Giura was a Gair, and his son was also a Gair. And uh, Gerish and his guy, even though biologically they were related, there was no relationship there, and the son would not yarshan the father. So he was at the end of his life, and he wanted to transfer his assets, to his son. Because otherwise he wasn't going to yarshan. So the Gemara says, how is he supposed to do this? She so says, well, give it to him as a present. Take it, wrap it up, and give it to his son. So the Gemara says, well, the son isn't there. So how can he yarshen it to his son? So the Gemara, at the end of the second line, writes, maskif law let him just admit that it already belongs to his son let him be kind of it with that admission alone, meaning I admit even though it's not true, I admit that these assets belong to my son I just say in the presence of two witnesses, these assets belong to my son, but they don't, they belong to me that itself transfers ownership to the son how does that work? That's called the Kenyan Odisa. How does that work? So explains about in the Kavit Shirim right over there in the brackets, Since in court, if I make an admission that I owe you money, that's valid, Hodos baldin kameyha a concept throughout Shas, if I admit uh, a certain financial obligation, that's valid in court, and you can't retract, so, ke- it must be that he was committed, or he, uh, you know, that itself can transfer ownership to the son. From the fact that he made such an admission, which could be enforced in court, that itself when substitutes for the requirement the of a formal mysekinin and the, and the, the ownership. The right? When you make that, that admission.
1: That's
0: so, our But what you see from that is a parallel to Moshe, which is if it is clear that I'm committed. To this uh, disbursement or to this uh, change of uh, ownership, even if I had no formal maizikinian at all, ownership gets transferred. Or, for example, the Gemara says in Baba Mitziah, in the, in there's a kenyan, one of the kenyanim that works is called Situmto. Situmto means whatever is the minigah seichrim, the minigah of the, those who do business in that part of the world and that time and place, if that is the minute that people engage in a certain, let's say, gesture at the end of a transaction, and that seals the transaction like a handshake, so then that's valid, i pi halacha too. So so to says the advance anything that's valid, I'll pi dina de malchusa even if dina de malchusa doesn't apply in this context between two Jews, but it's an accepted practice in that part of the world, uh, it could be enforced in secular court. That substitutes for the requirement for a maizeh That's why the Kenyan is known as situnto. That's why at the end of selling hamez to the nafri, we shake hands. We shake hands with the nafri. one of the Kenyan that we used to sell, the you sell make a, make a king oh. so The problem with the Maizeh's is, yes, you don't need a maizeh It's a good argument that he's making. The problem is, when is this taking place? It's taking place there's the not about Tana so, once a person, the problem is not that he's not around to make a mice a king, The problem is, once a person passes away, his assets no longer belong to him. They've already transferred to his Yarshim. There's no Kenyon that's required by Yerusha It happens uh, de facto, it happens automatically. Because he doesn't want to transfer ownership while he's alive. He doesn't want to give away his <laughs> assets.
1: <laughs>
0: Someone else pick it up and of him in. You could have done that it's a good suge, the whole hard it's coming up so but anyway, many, the Gemara there raises many possibilities but the problem with Ramesh is true and this is why it's not been accepted by Rabbi Paiskim Is because it's happening in Akramisa so apparently Ramesh believes a tremendous finish apparently Ramesh believes that a person does retain some control over his assets even after he passes away and even though that's hard to believe, there is in fact a Rivid who uh, seems to subscribe to a similar position. The Shidimakubazes over here at Oisir Aleph in Baba Basra uh, is discussing a Get Makushar. was a certain type of Get that was written for Kohanim, or in towns where there were many Kohanim, that was different than a typical Get. A typical Get is a star with two Adim that sign in the bottom. A Get is folded over many times, and each time you fold it over, you have to have two witnesses that sign. It takes forever to write. <laughs> Why did they do this? To, uh, in order to give the kain a little time to uh, contemplate his decision before the get took place because he would never be able to remarry his wife. Kain can't marry a grusha. So if he divorces her and he later changes his mind, he can't remarry her. So he wanted to take a longer stall it's a stall tactic, is to write a get makusha where it takes longer to write again and give the kain time to come, perhaps to a census, calm down. So there are other stars too. Once we have a get makusha, is written like that, where it's folded over and witness the sign in all of the folds. Um, there are other staras too. Starimamon are also written in a similar way. So the rivet explains why is that the case? Why do we write starimamon like that, monetary documents? It makes sense by a get, it doesn't make sense by starimamon. So the rivet explains, Shalalach like b'masa staras. We don't want to distinguish between staras. We write a get like that, so in that part of the world, wherever they do a get like that, They'll do stari mamon like that. All stary documents should all be handled the same way, and the ravid brings a proof to that. Another example of where we did uh, so we transferred one thing from get into Stari mamon in order not to distinguish between the way we treat stary. My high time I mean, the That's also why you can't give away your assets Uh You can't make a transaction Misa, like a get. You can't give a get la chamisa because a person is no longer married to his wife. He passed away; she's now a widower. You can't now write a get <laughs> after he passes away. They're no longer married. So to set the in order, not to distinguish between shari and Gin, you can't write a star you know, a Kenyan, You can't write a shari la chamisa either. You uh, can't write a get yeah, but that's a whole separate issue. But once a person passes away, you can't write a get. Not here. But the raven says, that's also why I can't ride a star mammon after Misa, not to distinguish. <coughs> so Rabbi Chanan rides in the Kaibit Shirim, that's the reason you can't ride a star like Misa? No. The reason you can't ride a star lacha like Misa is because you don't own your property anymore. So must be the right it held no you do you do you retain certain property rights even after a person passes away and he therefore says or marries is the right to dictate uh, how he wants his assets to uh, disperse the only problem is he's not around to make a miskinian so Ramos says you don't need a miskinian if you wrote it in a secular will which could be enforced in secular court that substitutes the place well, well, of miskinian cuz you clearly committed to this uh, to well, this arrangement what happens if the guy doesn't have a tubo uh, okay. property yes no, you are sure. So then, I'll uh, what happens yeah, to it. I don't know, the courts will take over So anyway. maybe the
1: case over here, be, by by the gare. He loses, I, I help, think it becomes Hefker. Maybe over there it helped because there was no Yershim. So we listened to what he wanted,
0: not because it didn't mm-hmm. kenyan him, but because he was a... No, the, the Gemara derives a principle from it called Kenyan Adisa. But maybe that's maybe only ever did. It's because uh, yeah, there is yeah, a... Yeah. Yeah. saying a huge finish. I understand, but... He's shining down south. There's no Irish, there's no yeah. Baal Baal so we listen to what he wanted. Uh, but by... Right, uh, either it either transfers ownership or it doesn't. Uh, no, I'm saying, since there is no Baal so Baal, so there's no listen to the gay, what he wanted. This no is order. not a Rahmanist, It's either no, works no, or they, doesn't. No, so there's no Dingin. Thingy- because
1: there's
0: no Dingin. It says So it says Kenyan. Yeah is quite difficult and has not but been accepted by like, any of the I mean, Rav Moshe obviously but uh, it's not been accepted in modern but they did because it's uh, too difficult to understand to accept that a person should have maintained control of his assets there is a similar position to Rav Moshe but coming from a different angle as huh? So, uh, so we'll get to one second. So, it's a good point. So, Reb Chaim Ezer had a similar argument to Reb Meishib, but coming from an entirely different perspective. The Gemara tells us in a concept called Mitzvah Lechaim Divrei ames. There's a mitzvah to fulfill the wishes of a person uh, after he passes away. This is also derived from Yosef in last week's parsha. If you look back at the Jirashah of Reb Yeshua, Ibn Shu'ib on Eizbeis, what else can we learn from Yaakov Avinu at the way he conducted himself uh, prior to his death? is mitzvah He asked his children to bring his bones back to Eretz Yisrael, and they listened to him. They listened to him, and from here we derive a concept called mitzvah l'kayim d'vri ames. So the Gemara there in Mesetas uh, Gitin discussing the following case: of a person who gives money um, to bring or to give to somebody else. And when the shliach gives it to a messenger to bring to somebody else, when the shliach gets to the beneficiary, to the recipient, the recipient already passed away. So what should he do with the, uh, with the money? So, go back to the person who sent you, to the giver. What if the person who was giving the gift, the original owner, passed away? Now what do you do? The recipient passed away, the original owner passed away. So, Nasan and Rabbi Yaakov say you give it to the person, the Yarshim of the person who sent you, the original owner. But V'yesha, I remember, and this is the opinion of Reb this is how we paskin, is that no, you give it to the Yarshe Mishin Ishtah the Yarshim of the recipient, because mitzvah Kaim de reames, mitzvah to fulfill the wishes of the person even after he passed away. So argues, uh Chaim that perhaps we could validate a secular will, not, uh, because it's, uh, because, uh, you know, it replaces a Meisekin and something like that, but rather because of the fulfillment of this mitzvah lachaim de re'ames. The problem is that Taisus there writes in Mesech les that the only time we apply mitzvah lachaim de is if it's hushlash mitchila b'yad shlish. It's given, like the case that the Gemara is discussing, it's given to a third party to bring to somebody else, or to give to the recipient. But if it's not given to a third party, it, it remains in the ownership of the original giver, the mitzvah of the Khaim Diver Yameis does not apply. It has to be given over to a third party. It's like an escrow. So why is that the case? Why does it have to be given over to a third party? So Reb Chaim suggests that perhaps Rabbeinu Tam feels the reason it needs to be given over to a third party is because otherwise we don't take you seriously that this is what you really meant. You might have said it, but we don't know if you really meant it. If you gave it to a third party, how, you, know, you take care of this after I'm gone, please give it to so-and-so, um, so that clearly you meant what you said. So Rabbi says, if you write a secular will about how you want your estate dispersed, <coughs> and give it out, and that's valid in secular court, that should be the equivalent of Ruzhosh M'tchilu biashlish. Because clearly you're committed to this, uh because it's going to be enforceable in secular court. So Reb Chaim says that should substitute for the requirement of Hushal's miatz biatzlish. Right over here in the second line of Shuvas Achias, he writes, "Gamikvare Yisimitalei loy, the hech shemish shetziva hameiz liten loy, who muchvak mitam dinah the mahusa b'kima tzvayi dayal kars." Since he could have gone to the secular court and forced the secular will, loy boy Hushal shmitchilu you don't need to give it to a third party. <laughs> no one else agreed to a primarza on this
1: issue. It's like a no,
0: it's like a, a, a It's like a No, it's like a lifetime gift. You're fulfilling what I asked for when I was alive. After that, there was no <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear your point. Many others disagree with the Primarza that that's not why you need Hush HaShemitchi The reason why you need Hush HaShemitchi is because it separates it from the rest of the estate. You gave it to a third party now it's not part of the Arusha any longer. Not because we want to make sure that that's what you meant. So again, that's why Rav Chaim is really generally not accepted either in contemporary did Din as a justification for a secular will. Let's say a person though, got a disbursement from a secular will, or some aunt left a person, you know, a Yerusha, and there were yarshim there, but she liked you, you know, the nephew or something, and she violated, you know, overrode the dinam of the Torah, parshas Pinchas, and giving you a chalik of the Yerusha, and all she had was a secular will. It stuck, us, have this issue all the time. So can you keep the money? So Rav Chaim Moezer quotes in the Binyan Sin, that yes you can keep the money cuz you can say uh, you know i hold like a Moser, i hold like a remosha. perhaps it's a bit the justification for accepting a gift from a second will perhaps it's good enough but as a little for a person to arrange his estate and just relying on a secular will, even though that was the opinion of Meirshel, was the of him, um, is generally not accepted uh, as a valid what, approach. What Unless said. you take the money and you put it in a trust. Right. If you take the money and you put it in an irrevocable trust, right. where you are the person <laughs> themselves is not the trustee. If you, are, if the person is a trustee and it's a revocable trust, that's a joke. That's just like putting it underneath the mattress. It. It wouldn't work. You can't be. A you can't set it up like that. You can't be a trustee. You can't be a trustee in your don't trust. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But if, if it's a way that it's totally set aside, then that would be That, sh- that would be oh, okay. And yeah. then you could rely on the secular it's will. That. You're not it's, not it's not your money. It's not your money. Not your money. Yeah. It's your money. So that's like a so, uh, can't you set to the will. maybe that's a theory is that. Like giving it away now. If you're giving it away now, you can't change your mind. No, that's not true. You don't want to be able, a person's going to write his assets to his son when he's 50 years old. He doesn't want to be able to give it to somebody else. The talks about if you give a get, you can do that. You can do, but then it's not, no longer yours. And what do you do about the things you acquired subsequently? The, the lifetime gifts work, but but, the, but there are limitations to it. No, so, right. Right. so, the standard solution that's proposed, and this is the final thing, is the Ramah right over here in Cheshem is what's known as a Shtar or a Shtar which is that a person uh, obligates himself while he's alive to anybody who's not a formal Yerush. Obviously, a Bechor or a son who receives, a, you know, is entitled to a, a full Chayok in Yerushah, he doesn't have to do this, but anyone who's going to receive part of the Yerusha who's not what, a formal Yeresh, he obligates himself during his lifetime to pay an enormous sum that will be collected like Carmisa. way more than the estate will be worth in its entirety. And then he writes in his uh, Tzavah, he writes in his uh, secular will, whatever, that, um, that that obligation, this enormous sum that he obligated to his wife, to his daughters while he was alive, will only be uh, payable if the sons don't give you what I asked uh, them to disperse you in my will, but if they give you what I asked them to give you in the will, so then uh, this amount is no longer collectible. So then, uh, the, you're not, it's, it's not a typical will, it's, uh, they're paying this amount to the daughters, or to the wife, in order to avoid the penalty of the obligation, to pay off the obligation that you accepted while you're alive. And that's what's known as a star chassi They used to do this only to give the daughters... Half a uh, chilek, but you can do such a thing as a stah zacher to give her an equal share uh, in the in the uh, in the uh, in the erusha. No, no, yeah.
1: Senior over them. Let's say he thought the value of his estate is a hundred, and he gave and there two kids, a boy and a girl. So he gave her a stah of fifty. by the time of the erusha, the value of the assets is down to fifty. No, no, no,
0: no, no. You always you only do this if the amount you're gonna uh, you're gonna obligate yourself in is more than the estate in its entirety if you have a million dollar stake you have to get yourself a ten million then you say but you know what if you give her an equal share the loan this amount is not collectible yes. another point and one final issue is that Rabbi Kiva Eger writes in his Truvis is that even though Kiber Aviyem doesn't apply in this uh, situation because it's Michel Bain of uh, son doesn't have to spend money on Kiber Aviyem and here the parents uh, don't benefit at all from that which happens after they're no longer here but it's still a, somewhat of a fulfillment of Kiber to make sure that a person's assets are distributed and the children should make sure the assets are distributed based on the parents' wishes, even though it's not necessarily enforceable like that. But, you know, if you do one of these mechanisms, vehicles, it is enforceable. But even if it's not enforceable, the children should see to it that, uh, that they follow the wishes of the, of the parent. You know, the Gemara says in, uh, in Bruchus that when a person leaves his friend, so you say, Lech Shalom. You say, Go in peace. When a person uh, leaves a niftar, so you say, lech bishalom. Also they're, they're a different Vlashon. That's why the Gros says, the Apostle says in the of Yeshev, Dabro Shalom. The brothers weren't able to talk to Yasek L'dashalom in peace, meaning while he was alive. They needed him to be, no longer be here. Lech bishalom they could say to him, lech lishalom they weren't able to talk to him. So some, uh, some comment, why do we say to the Nifter, lech bishalom? He's no longer here, what's lech B'Shalom? So they say, no, the Darshanim say, we're really talking to the Yarshim. Leave here in peace. Make sure everybody gets along, because that's the wishes of the parent, is to make sure that uh, the Yerusha is settled the to the wishes of the parent, but in a way that people will all get along. The worst possible thing is to fight over Yerusha. So it's kedai to follow the advice of uh, Rabbi Yoshua, even Shuiv to take care of these things uh, when a person still is able to.